Well, please turn with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We're continuing our studies in this uh, wonderful letter of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians and what tremendous help he is giving us in uh, instructing us, the light he is shedding on our path, showing us this is the way as a believer I'm to walk in when I'm in the church, when I'm in the world, when I'm in the home and uh, helping us uh, in so many ways. The Word of God so relevant, so contemporary for all time, and we thank God uh, for it. Well, he, the beginning of the chapter, he instructed us to walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. The outstanding mark of a believer is that he walks in love. He's known for his love. He's known for his outgoing help and kindness towards others, and uh, there's loving. he's a loving person. As Christ loved, well, that's a high calling, but that's our aim, that's, we, what we, that's our target, that's what we're, we are aiming to be like, loving as Christ is loving. And then we saw last week that he told us to walk as children of light, walk uh, no, no longer in darkness, but as those who are the children uh, of uh, light. And we, we saw that in a... In a uh, a long, uh, uh, sorry, an extended way uh, last week, what it means to walk as children of light. They were darkness. That was their identity before they came to know Christ. Now their identity has changed. Now they are full of light. Not only that they have light, but they themselves are light. And everywhere that they go, every community that they live in, every workplace that they enter, uh, to, uh, into, uh, to do their, their jobs is a place for them uh, to shine. And to shine and to win them, how? By holy living, by their lives especially. Yes, when opportunity comes, we speak to them, we want to witness to them and tell them the gospel with our words, but especially let them see our lives. Let them see that we are different from the unbelievers. Our ways, our thoughts, the way we respond to things is so very di different. And all with a view, not to say that we are better than them. That's not the reason why we do it. Because we want to win those. Of course, we want to please the Lord primarily by our holy lives. But also we want to win those. And we don't want to do anything uh, to, uh, to affect those who are unbelievers around us. Maybe our children it may be our parents, it may be our colleagues, our friends, whoever it is, we want to affect them and make them see, oh, it's a good thing uh, to be a Christian. Oh, it's a blessed thing to follow the Lord. Oh, it is a wonderful, life-changing experience to be a Christian. And we want them to see these things in our lives. And this is the thought, uh, this thought is continued still here in verse 15. Paul says, see that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, 
be careful how you're walking when you're in the, in the, uh, around the unbeliever because unfortunately they're always looking uh, to see where you fall. They're looking to see where you make a mistake. They're looking to see uh, where you say uh, a, word, uh, uh, a word that is wrong. And they're waiting for you to, to blow up. And then they'll say, uh-huh, you see, you're a Christian. You told me this. You told me that. And I look at you. You said that. You shouldn't say that. I think it's not how unbelievers know what a Christian should and shouldn't do. They know it sometimes better than we do. You shouldn't be watching that. You shouldn't be gossiping. You shouldn't be losing your temper. Ah, you're late again. Oh, they pick up on all these things, isn't it? And they use that against you. You use that uh, to point a finger at you. It's another excuse for them not to come to Christ. Oh, they have many excuses, but this is one of them. They just add to that unbelief, this excuse. They, they shouldn't blame us. Even if we believe is a hypocrite, that's no excuse for them. They should still come to Christ, but we don't want to give them any kind of ammunition. We want to instead commend the Christian faith to them. We want them to see, look, uh, we want them to go home and to tell their husbands and to tell their wives and to tell their children, oh, there's this colleague of mine, there's this friend of mine, and he's different. He's not like any other of my colleagues. He doesn't gossip. He never uses a, a, a swear word. Um, unfortunately, this week it was a little bit warm, as you know. I'm not complaining about the weather, but I was uh, working behind uh, here, and I opened the door, and uh, across the road there are some construction workers uh, actively working for a long time, it seems. But unfortunately, I could pick up some of their language. And well, if you've ever worked on a construction site, I've never have, but it felt like I was working on there because every other word was a swear word, was a curse word. One, one person, not all of them, but one guy, every other word was, was like that. I thought, oh, imagine if a Christian is working on there. Well, how hard it is. Do we have to put up with that the whole time? But what a testimony it would be as well if he refrained, she refrained from saying such a thing and never indulged in such... And people would ask, oh, how come you're not doing it? And that's what we want people... Uh, to feel like. We want them to question us. We want them to see we are different in the way that we behave, in the way that we respond. When provoked, you're not going to get angry. Oh, this is what Paul is saying. Walk carefully. When you're in the midst, don't act like a fool. Don't act as if uh, you're an unbeliever again. Remember, you are, are a child of light. Walk circumspectly, he says. Well, that's a word that we don't really use so much uh, today. Uh, it's a little bit old-fashioned. But it means uh, carefully or accurately, precisely. And Paul is saying, don't walk in a slipshod kind of way. Don't walk in that way. Walk in a, a, a careful way. Don't walk in a careless way. Be aware of what you are doing. Be aware of the consequences of your actions, uh, the impact that it may have on others. Don't live in a slipshod kind of way. Uh, watch your conduct, is what he's saying. You could think of it uh, like this. If you're a driver, I think most people here are drivers, and uh, when you're driving, well, you cannot drive as you like. You have to keep uh, on the right side of the, you, you've got your center line, you, you have to keep to the right side of the center line, 
And then if you've got a bus lane or you've got a, a cycle lane, well, you can't just swerve into that lane or you can't just swerve across this, the center line. And then you have to keep your distance uh, from the car in front, otherwise you're tailgating. And all these things, you have to drive in an accurate kind of way. You have to keep within those rules in order uh, to drive uh, in an orderly uh, way. If you swerve into the middle lane or you do end up tailgating, well, you can get done for driving without due care and attention by the police. And you don't want that to happen to you. But how, how about our lives? Paul, this is like saying, live your life, walk your life with due care and attention. Don't just swerve into one kind of action and behavior as another, but keep to the Word of God. Keep to that uh, guidelines you have uh, from the Word of God. Live in a conscientious uh, way. So when you're provoked, you're, not going to, you're aware of these things, you're aware of the, the need, how you should respond, and you remember and you follow that path. You do things honestly, and you're filling out those expenses forms, those expenses claims. You fill it out uh, legitimately, honestly, not claiming for things we ought not. Be careful with our words. And our, we're conscientious, you see, friends, about these things, the little things. Isn't it? The little things sometimes are also picked up on. And again, the unbeliever notices the little things. Oh, yes, the big things are, 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 are obvious. But it's those little things he sees that make people uh, question the faith and question the reality of our profession, being late for work, using the office supplies. Sometimes we hear stories like that, taking uh, things for ourselves which don't really belong to us. How are we in the home? Are we careful in the home? Oh, home is a wonderful place, isn't it? Home is a, hair, a place where you can uh, let your hair down, where you can relax, and where you can be yourself, yes. Uh, but also, do we go a bit too far? Do we maybe forget, oh, I'm a Christian at home? And the way we treat maybe our, our wife, do we forget to be kind to our wife at home? And do we forget to be gentle and respectful to her? because we're used to her being around, as it were. Well, that wouldn't be an accurate kind of living. That would be slipping into this kind of slipshod way of life. So wherever we are, friends, we want to be careful about our conduct. Well, we're given very good guidelines for our conduct in the Ten Commandments, in the moral law. We studied it not so long ago, and we we saw how useful it is for the believer. There's a guide for us to teach us, that, to give us those principles that we need in order to live a kind of life that is pleasing to God and winsome. It's not a prescription for salvation. We don't follow it in order to be saved. We don't do those things in order to obtain uh, favor with God and salvation from God, but we use it after we are saved as a, a guideline for us to teach us this is the way for us to walk as Christians. Now, friends, we've said this before, but there are some Christian leaders who tell us, well, you don't need the Ten Commandments anymore. You can dispense with the moral law. It's not necessary for you now that you're a Christian. And they say, uh, we are not under the law, but we are under grace. But they, they get it wrong. They say the Ten Commandments have nothing to do with the believer. But they do. 
And uh, what, happens when you, what happens when you go down that path? Well, you end up really with a Christian who begins to live in a very careless kind of way and uh, uh, who is not so conscientious about the things that they do. Almost anything goes apart from those obvious sins which everybody knows is wrong. But otherwise, there's a, lot of, there's a little bit of a careless kind of living. You think about the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day is that, that fourth commandment. And how many uh, especially seem to focus on that and seem to just dispense with the Lord's Day and say, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep this commandment. I'll just keep it in my own kind of way. But it's, uh, that would be very careless of us uh, to do that. And friends, the moral law uh, is uh, for today. And though we do not keep it in order to be saved, we use those, we draw our principles from it, which we apply uh, for our lives. So here, this first verse, not as fools, friends, we don't walk as, as that, but as those uh, who are wise. We don't forget who you are. Don't never forget, I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God, a daughter of God, a child of light. And I, I am to live in this kind of way. God has left me on earth to bring glory to His name. Yes, and to enjoy Him. As the first question in the Shorter Catechism tells us. But it also is the purpose of my life is to win others to Christ. Is to bring others into the, the kingdom of God. And we mustn't forget that. If I live to live foolishly is to forget these things. And to go back to, li to living, to revert to living like an unbeliever. So then I begin to uh, take uh, the things of time as more important than spiritual things. And I become more, my desire for promotion, for example, or money, or earthly things, material things, is stronger than the desire for the advance of the Lord's kingdom and those uh, uh, for His glory. Well, the unbeliever, you'll see this. You'll notice, oh, well, you're, you're, you are, again, you're the same as me. If we sees us following, uh, doing the same things that he does and having the same aspirations as, as, as he does, well, he'll say, there's no difference. You go to church, that's it. But you still have the same desires and motivations as I do. Well, let's show him that it's different. Paul says, don't be like that. That would be foolish kind of living. Well, friends, we have faith. If we have faith in the Lord, it should make a difference in our lives, doesn't it? It should be visible and evident in the, the things that we go through in life. Just recently, some of us were discussing this very, very thing about our faith. And what difference does our faith make to our everyday lives? And uh, we, we were talking, and we were saying, well, if a man really has faith, it should enable him to, to respond to things that come his way differently as a Christian than an, uh, an unbeliever would. Oh, for example, yes, if somebody provokes an unbeliever, well, you'd expect that unbeliever uh, to respond with uh, resentment and anger. But with a Christian, you'd ex expect him, because of his faith, he's going to respond with forgiveness or readiness to forgive the other person, a willingness uh, to forgive. His faith is making the difference. Or a person who's going through uh, trials and, and difficulties and, and hard circumstances in their life, 
well, that's, that's, that's a terrible uh, thing uh, to happen. But their faith enables them to say, well, I will still trust in God. A sister said to me just recently, and she just lost her loved one. And she said, in the midst of her bitterness, in the midst of her pain, uh, she said, well, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. That's her faith in action. She has the, the, the sadness is there, but in the midst of that, her faith enables her to take even such a, a, an awful, sad situation from the hands of God. This is what faith does, friends. Faith must always be at the forefront of our minds, an active faith that we're using in, in the different things that come our way to, yes, to uphold us, but also it brings glory uh, to the Lord. But then verse 16 uh, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Well, we have a similar verse in Colossians 4, verse 5. Paul said, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. And uh, this is saying something a little bit more than just don't waste time. Okay, it includes that, but something a little bit more is had. We don't want uh, to, to waste time providentially. This sermon comes to you uh, when you've just gained an hour. On a Sunday when you've gained one hour. What did we do with that extra hour? Well, you don't have to tell me. You can keep the answer uh, to yourself. But the management of our time, friends, it's so important in, in terms of the minutes and the hours. It's also a part of our stewardship. Just like your money, you take it from the Lord and you say, well, this is God, God has given to it to me. I must use it wisely. Think of the same with your time. God has given it to me. Now I must use it wisely. How am I uh, going to steward uh, my time? And this is uh, what we want to do. But, but it's not specifically talking about time in that sense, minutes, hours, days, and so on. Here time refers more specifically to opportunity. Redeem the opportunities that come uh, your way. Take advantage of those opportunities that come your way. It may be just a very single opportunity that suddenly springs upon you. It may be a, a colleague at work asks you a question about your faith. Suddenly, out of the blue, he asks you a question. That's an opportunity. Quickly pray. Ask the Lord for help to know how to respond to the person. Last year, we had an opportunity. The school opposite us, Woodhills Primary School, they came and they said, we want to bring uh, 80 of our students, I think it was about 80, 80 of our young children, we want to bring them to see the church. Oh, okay. Yeah, come. Oh, we, we made use of that opportunity. 80 students came marching in uh, on a Wednesday, I think it was, and they came along with their teachers and the teachers' assistants, and they all sat uh, where you are seated here on, on the pews, and uh, our brother, well, he prepared a wonderful, marvelous message for, for the children. And for one hour, they sat spellbound, almost all of them. And the, uh, the teachers, a different story. <laughs> uh, some of the teachers were not, not too happy to have the gospel preached to them. But the, the children were there. They were listening. What an opportunity. And our brother made use of that to give them a nice, uh, relevant gospel message from beginning to end, almost like from Genesis to Revelation in one hour. It was wonderful. And the children were listening all the way through. 
By we, that's buying up the opportunity. That's making use of uh, the opportunities that come our way. But it may not be just a sudden opportunity that springs on you. It may be a season of opportunity, a longer period of time. Just like we have our seasons, we're now almost into uh, winter. And that lasts only for a short time. The same also uh, uh, redeem those uh, windows, those longer periods of opportunity, because soon that period will come to an end. And then you cannot do as you want to do. And I'll flesh this out a little bit in a minute. But what does this word redeem mean? Redeem, because that's important for us to know. Redeeming the time. Uh, well, it means to, to buy up. Uh, to buy up the time. Buy up for yourselves those opportunities that come your way. Like, like, like a merchant who, who goes to a market and he sees an article there that somebody is selling and he, he wants to buy it up for himself because he knows he can put it to good use later on. Or like a person who is uh, maybe at an auction sale and an item comes up and he bids for it and he really wants it and he bids for it until he gets it. He buys up that, that article, he redeems that article so that he, he can uh, use it for some good purpose. And that's the idea uh, here with time, with those opportunities that come our way. That we are to redeem them, we are to buy them up, we are to take a hold of them uh, for our advantage. Take advantage of all the opportunities that come uh, to us. So in what way can we do this? Well, we could think of uh, youth, some of, us, uh, some of you are a little bit younger than, than we are. And that's a good time. That's a wonderful time uh, to seek the Lord. Oh, you have so much more uh, energy uh, than uh, we older ones have. You can do so much more for the Lord. Believe me, you really can. Because when you get older, your body, when you're younger, you think, it will never happen to me. It happens to other people. It won't happen to me. But when you're older, it does happen. Your body does change. But friends, you, my young friends here today, uh, there is so much uh, that, that uh, you can do uh, for the Lord. You're still growing. You're still being shaped, as it were, uh, not only physically, but, but mentally. You're, you're still finding your way around. This is a wonderful opportunity you have in youth to soak yourself in the Scriptures, to get to know God, to get to know those doctrines, to get to know the teaching of the Word of God, to read uh, good books, to become familiar with these things, to get a hold of the, the, the principles that are in the Bible and to say, this is going to be my rule for life. This is how I'm going to live the rest of my life. Because when you get older, it's going to become harder. It'll become harder to be, uh, pick up those rules and harder to change. We all know that. So now, what a time you have. Youth is on your side and those, those uh, habits are not yet formed in your life. Habits that you form in your youth will stick with you through the rest of your life. So even in terms of dis discipline, practice, young friends, self-discipline, self-discipline in your sleep, self-discipline in your time, self-discipline in your eating habits, self-discipline in your conversational skills. Do you do that? You think, well, I, must, I mustn't just keep to myself. I must, I must if once, you, once you keep to yourself, keep to your own room, well, that will, that will be how you end up for years and years and years. 
But if you're in that way, you want to pull yourself out. You want to take yourself in hand and say, no, I'm going to give, my, give time to converse with people, to communicate with others, so that that prepares us uh, for uh, the future. Make sure, friends, make use, rather, of the time while it's in your hands. Improve that time of you. Oh, it's such a wonderful time. Oh, I wish I could go back to my youth and do the things that I know now. But I can't. It's gone. Really, in some senses, I regret what's happened. I wish. But if you want to live without those regrets, then use those times. Maybe you were a little bit older. Maybe you were somewhat middle-aged. Now the kids have grown up, left home maybe, or still at home, but fending for themselves. Now you have more time on your hands. What are you going to do? Get another job. Some people do. Or maybe you need another job, a second job. Can you use that energy? Can you use that little bit of energy? Yes, it's not the same as when you were younger, but can you use that for the Lord? Can you say, well, Lord, what can I do for you? What can I do? Is there something to be done in the church? There's always something to be done. Is there something that I can contribute to? Is someone sick? Someone in hospital? Somebody going through a difficult time? Friends, that's an opportunity. See, there's an opportunity. Oh, I've been praying for this person. I've been praying that I may have a chance to witness. And then he's not well, or she's not well. Maybe something happens to her, but you have a chance, maybe not to go rushing in with the gospel, but to befriend them and to draw near to them. And if that op- when the opportunity comes, to say something to them about the Lord. Well, uh, so many opportunities, isn't it, come our way. Life is really full of opportunities. We have to look at it in this way. We have to redeem them. Buy up, buy up those, those opportunities. Don't let them pass us by. And uh, if we redeem the time in this way, well, we won't regret the time when those opportunities have gone and are passed. Perhaps, perhaps we have here friends, uh, some, some who have only just recently become aware of spiritual things. Before, you had no interest in the Lord. Before, you, you, were, uh, you had no interest in, in hearing message. But now you come to the church every Sunday. Now you have an interest in these things. Now you want to hear. Now no one is pushing you to come to church. But you feel something, an inner desire, a willingness to come and place yourself under the sound of God's Word. This is the time, friends. This is your period of opportunity to come to Him. This is what the Lord is doing. That inclination you have and feel in your heart is God's way of drawing you to Himself. It's the Lord saying, come to me. It's the Lord saying, repent of your sins. Trust in me. I will save you. I will forgive you. I will take you to heaven. This is the way the Lord calls us. If you feel that inclination, friends, this is your chance. This is the day of your salvation. Respond to it uh, even now. Come, yield your life to Christ. Say to Christ, Lord, I will give my life to you. You've drawn me. I see see clearly now. I see a lot better the way of salvation. I see that thou art the the, the true, the living God. I'm going to give myself to, to Christ. Take advantage of the opportunity while God is stirring you and working in your heart. 
Don't let it pass you by. Don't let it pass you by, friends. If you, if you let it pass you by, what will happen? Well, those inclinations, they won't remain. They more likely will fade away. They will peter out. And then what will happen? Maybe we'll never see you in church again because that desire for God has gone. Make use of the opportunity. Take it for your advantage. Paul says, because the days are evil. And it, this is satanic forces are at work here working against God and seeking to destroy God's standards and seeking to close those doors which He has opened. This is why we have to make use of those opportunities. He, the devil, is opposed to all that is of God and all that is good in this world. He's opposed trying to bring it down and especially to hinder the progress of souls so that people are not saved. Well, Paul is writing to these Ephesians and they're here they had a time when it was, they could preach freely and they could witness freely and they could do freely and they had to seize that time and make use of it because it, perhaps he is speaking here prophetically. I don't know. But perhaps there's a prophetic word in here when he, when, he, when he says, see that you walk and make use of the time, the sorry, the, redeem the time, uh, make use of the opportunity because the days are evil. It's as if he knew what was coming. This letter was written in A.D. 61, and Paul is in prison. In A.D. 64, Nero, well, there was the fire, great fire of Rome, and Nero was accused by the people and accused, by historians say, it was his fault, he started the fire, but a lot, a huge part of Rome was burnt, uh, or burnt down. And what did he do to deflect attention from himself and blame from himself. He blamed the Christians. And the Christians were, were, well, you know what happened to them, such horrible, terrible things, tortures and persecutions that they suffered, being killed, being lit as torches for fire in his garden, and so on. What terrible things were happened because he put the blame of that fire upon uh, Christians. And then it became much harder that that uh, door of opportunity was almost closed. They had to meet underground after that. They had to witness, they couldn't witness and preach as openly as they could before. Worship and witness became more difficult. And so they needed to make the most of that opportunity. I remember, I saw just before we went uh, to China, uh, we, we did sort of a reconnaissance sort of kind of trip uh, before my wife and I went to work there just to see whether that was the kind of place we, we, we should be and whether the Lord was leading us uh, to work there. And I remember one of the things that really uh, struck me when I was there was, well, since the opening up of China in 1978, when before they were closed to all foreign trade, but in 78 they changed and they opened up uh, to, to other countries. And when we were there in, I think it was 2004, and one thing that struck me was the number of Western outlets that were there, especially the food outlets. There was McDonald's, there was KFC, there was Starbucks. Almost in every corner there were, there was in, the, in the big cities. And I, I thought to myself, well, these businesses are, have got an eye for, for making money and they're, they're in here and they're, they're doing good business here. 
Well, you know, we Christians should also make use of that opportunity. We never know when that door will close again. I didn't realize. We went, we went and we worked there for a while. I never realized that what would happen really in 2018, that's almost exactly what happened. Because new laws were brought in which restricted uh, public worship and Christians gathering and persecution increased from 2018 onwards till today. And that door, it became so much harder to witness and to reach out uh, to people. So we ha- you have to use the opportunities. What about the UK? What about us friends here? Before we could preach, isn't it? So openly in the streets without fear of being arrested. Now the preachers, are, uh, so many we hear about are being arrested for what? Hate speech. Hate speech. The Christian who preaches love, the God of love, accused of hate speech. Oh friends, what else? There, the, the, you know you've heard about uh, this conversion therapy law that the government has committed themselves to outlaw. You cannot pray for people who want to change from the LGBT community and come into the Christian community. You cannot pray for them, they're, they're saying. And they're trying to outlaw it and make it illegal. And you go to prison if you counsel them and pray for them and, and try and help them to come out of these things. We must use the, the time that we have, friends. What about our Sunday school? We have our Sunday school, thank God. No hindrances as yet. Will they come in? Will a, will a law be brought in say you cannot teach children anymore the gospel? You cannot have a Sunday school? You may. It's happened in some countries. Children under 16, forbidden from hearing the gospel, forbidden from going to church. Oh, you must never think It'll never happen in this country. So many things are happening in this country which we thought would never happen. But friends, let's redeem the time while we have the chance to do it. But just finally, very quickly, verse 17. uh, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. How do we gain that wisdom for life? How do we know how to spend our time wisely? to order our lives in the right way, to live acceptably to the Lord. And we want to do that, isn't it? Because we are grateful to Him. We're not walking to earn favor. We already feel uh, our gratefulness to Him. We're not walking out of legalism because we're we're forced to do it. No, we love Him. We're grateful for all He has done for us. But how can we live uh, with wisdom? Well, again, we immerse ourselves in the Scriptures. We immerse ourselves in the Word of God. We arm ourselves with its principles. We learn from from them. That's what's in mind here. It's not so much the specific will of God for us as individual people, but that general will that God has for each one of us. That is so necessary for us to know. For example, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3, This is the will of God, even your sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So dear friends, a call to each one of us, know your Bibles, read your Bibles, don't neglect the Scriptures, try and understand it as much as you can, read other books which will help you, don't look down on other books which, are, which will be good for you, just make sure that they are sound books, look for those principles and live by them. So, in conclusion, uh, let us remember our high calling, friends. 
Let us so please live as to please the Lord every day. Every day we want to do that. Every day we want to make conscientious, conscientious efforts to walk accurately. Lord, I'm not going to live. I don't want to live in a slipshod way today. I want to walk uh, as best as I can, doing the will of God from our hearts, redeeming the time, making use of every opportunity that comes our way for witness, for worship, Oh, the opportunities for worship that we have. Thank God, COVID took that away from us, isn't it, for a while? For how long? Are we going to have another pandemic and then we cannot meet again? Oh, we must make use of every opportunity. Gospel service, midweek meeting, I must come. Oh, and doing good opportunities that come our way for helping others. Well, may the Lord bless us with these things. We close uh, thinking by singing our final hymn, number 400. And 62, give me the faith which can remove 462.